You're You're listening listening to to The Bottom Bottom Bible. Bible. I'm Katie. I'm Vanessa. This is a weekly podcast brought to you by a couple of bottom-loving bitches who want to talk about sex, relationships, current events, pop culture, and everything in between. Thanks for listening. To tell me what you want from me. I, I really need it. I, I really need it. Hello. Hi. Welcome to The Bottom Bible. My name is Katie. I'm Vanessa. And I am in computer hell right now, but it's okay. I'm breathing through it. We're working through it. We're having a make it work moment. Very Tim Dunn. Very. I, my, my hopes and dreams of computer technology are just being held together by just tiny pieces of just cello tape right now. Washi tape. Fucking washi tape. A little chewing gum. A little... Little Elmer's glue. Oh God. Okay. But um, speaking of do-it-yourself spirits, we're talking about the period products, menstruation products through the ages, all through the ages. Um, okay. So we are in the year of our gourd, twenty twenty-one. <laughs> yes. Um, and we have seen improvements and advances in these products. So things like single-use tampons and pads are made of, you know, more comfortable, more absorbent material. And uh, we are also seeing a big push with um, reusable products that are about sustainability, convenience, um, and also affordability because tampons and pads are not cheap. Um, Even the cheap ones, not cheap because you have to use a lot of them. Yeah, it's a whole problem. The whole system's fucked. Because it's a big, oh, it's like up front, it's a lot of money. So mm-hmm. some people don't have, a yeah. lot of people don't have 40 bucks to drop on a pair of period underwear. But right. also though, as you go, it, it actually is more expensive to buy the uh, single use. Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of this whole, the system is fucked. Like a single use box of tampons of like, like maybe, what is it? Like 30 or so uh-huh. can run you really anywhere from like, maybe seven or eight dollars on the cheaper end yeah. to upwards of 15 on the higher end because of course yeah. there are going to be different brands like store brands whatever oh, okay it's a lot and for those who do not have periods and are not aware of this you use multiple products throughout the day yes um so if you are fortunate and your period lasts only a certain number like if you only bleed heavily enough to need a product for five days Mm -hmm. even even a light flow person is it gonna do at least two changes a day right yeah heavier you're looking at maybe four plus yeah it really is going to depend on what you're using sometimes heavier somebody who has a heavier flow might actually double up on products so they might have a tampon and a pad yeah so now you're doing multiple products multiple times a day not because we're trying to be wasteful. We're just trying to get through the goddamn day without leaving a trail behind us. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So now we're um, seeing things like menstrual cups that are made out of silicone that can be washed and reused. These are not brand new, which was news to me. I'm surprised how old they are, how long they've been around. Oh. We'll we'll talk about it in just a, mo- just a moment. Um, but they are now uh, affordable being marketed and being produced um 
on a scale that they hadn't been before. Mm, okay. And um, reusable pads that are meant to be laundered and reused. Um, things like period underwear, uh, which are made from super, super absorbent specialized material that uh, allows you to use the underwear you're wearing as your pad. Yeah. And obviously, <laughs> those can be rewashed and reused. Um, again, like we said, still some uh, mystery. So, so sometimes periods are still shrouded in the mystery. There's still like there's like an ew factor that a lot of people have yeah. about periods. Um, look, it's not witchcraft. It's not dark magic, dark sided stuff. It's not bad mojo. It's just our bodies literally trying to live their lives. Yeah, and. I mean, also like when people are like, ew, I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, kind of same. I, I, I don't, it's not my favorite activity. I can I think mean, of more fun activities that my body does. How do you think I feel? How do you think we feel? Yeah. I don't, like, we don't want to. You don't got to walk around like this. I, I mean. <laughs> you try containing this. You. <laughs> the full-time do job. It. Do it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so I got a few, uh, I looked at a few, well, there's a lot of different articles, but I focused on three main ones, which I will link in the show notes. Um, So how far back do you think tampons and pads date to? Um, Oh God. Far back. Like of any type, Mm -hmm. any material. Mm -hmm. Oof. It, you know, it always go. We always go back to like Romans, but I don't think it goes back that far. Um, Egyptians, no. Ancient Maybe? Romans, Egyptians, and Greeks. Okay. Well, yep, you were right. <laughs> there it is. So this is from um, a book called Flow: The Cultural Story of Menstruation. Okay. Um, by Elisa Stein and Susan Kim. Um, a, a lot of the articles that are written use this as a source. There's a couple of sources that are mostly used uh, for all of this. So the ancient Egyptians used materials like papyrus and lint to make tampons. Ooh. The ancient Greeks and Romans wrapped lint around wooden pegs to create tampons. Okay. So I guess somewhat Don't love that. reusable. Don't Eco-friendly. Love <laughs> Eco-friendly. Um, in ancient Japan, women used paper to absorb blood. While Native yeah. Americans made pads out of moss and buffalo skin. Um, additionally, ancient Romans used wool, absorbent moss, and um, that's also been used by ancient Africans and Asians. Okay. So basically hmm. anything you got that could absorb was yeah. used. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a lot, like I said, a lot of the articles use a lot of the same source materials, like few source materials. So... There's a lot. I'm going to go through it. Okay. And that was, those are the ancient, uh, some of the ancient peoples, ancient civilizations. And we are going to careen forward in the TARDIS. Already, we're going to go to the 1800s because it was okay. basically whatever was absorbent was used. Yeah. In both tampon for insertion and pad that would just, you know, lay just outside the body or against clothing in some way. Okay. Okay, basically anything people had was used, yada, yada, yada. Here we are in the 1800s, early 1900s. Um, again, they made ho- homemade sort of DIY pads out of cloths, flannels, and then as woven fabrics got more accessible, 
mm-hmm. you use whatever woven fabric you could get. Okay. Um, kind of wear the whole bean on the rag because you just DIY'd it with some rags and things that you could right. reuse and wash if, you know, if, if things didn't get too gruesome. Um, but then there were concerns about uh, bacterial growth and that these reusable products weren't being cleaned as much as they should. Yeah. Um, so this is where the menstrual hygiene um, market started. Okay. So things weren't really, you just used what you had. There wasn't any marketing. There wasn't any special product that was produced like for this. But the idea of hygiene is how okay. it started to get going. Um, so between 1854 and 1915, there were 20 patents taken out for menstrual products, including the first menstrual cup, which was made out of aluminum or hard rubber. Okay. That was not going to be comfortable. But between the late 19th century, early 20th century, so way earlier than I thought. Um, in 1896, uh, a product that was called Lister's Towels became the first disposable sanitary napkins for sale. Oh, okay. And so when they say sanitary napkins, that's what they used to call pads. I still remember pads being referred to as sanitary napkins. Yeah. Um, so these were originally part of a maternity kit that hospitals oh, gave out to moms okay. who had just had babies. Okay. Um, so it was used to absorb um, blood after they've given birth because women, sorry, those who give birth will sometimes mm-hmm. bleed for some time after they give birth. Yeah. Um, did not take long for some people to realize, oh, you could use this for a period. Right. Too. Um, so they encouraged the company to sell them separately, so to market them for menstruation. Okay. Um, so the the fact that they were disposable was a big breakthrough because you didn't have to worry about keeping something that was soiled, probably having to launder it separately mm-hmm. because there's a lot of shame and sort of that kind of ickiness that gets connected to anything that's in a, you know, anything related to a period. Right. Um, so whether the other people in the household said anything or not, people who get periods are tend, tend to be made feel guilty for having right. them or kind of embarrassed or shame. Like you got to hide this. Like, just, just wash this in the thing. So nobody will notice. You right. don't, don't do you dare put it in the wash with everybody else. If you had something that had, period stain on it you were expected really to clean it before to get it ready to go with everybody else's dirty clothes right you had to pre-clean it so that you can put it in the communal laundry usually yeah um this was not period related but today i apparently i had left some clothes in the dryer which i also like to use as my second dresser Uh um my father must have used the dryer earlier today because I came home and all of my things that had been in the dryer were hung up and neatly left for me, which was nice. Oh, that's nice. And I was like, I had underwear in here. Like, where did it go? Couldn't find the underwear anywhere. Opened up the dryer. He left the underwear in the dryer. Okay. 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 Because he just, he was like not even going to touch my underwear. Couldn't. Yeah. My d- which my I dad, respect my and appreciate. Think. Yeah. But that is how my dad responds to all my underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Periody or not. That is how he responds to it. So 
Yeah. You weren't yeah. going to, you, in most cases, I, I have yet to come across anybody who would have just thrown period stained garments without washing them or rinsing them first. Right. Okay. So the disposability became a huge thing. Um, and now obviously women could just throw them away, change into a new one, change, you know, have a new one. So when mm-hmm. you're traveling, um, if you are a woman who had to go out, out of the house and work. Yeah. So much more convenient to be able to change into a brand new, clean, sanitary product that you didn't have to worry about smells or germs or. Did it come with a belt? Like some way to strap it? Because it wasn't so these sticky. said they sold them with um, period underwear, which okay. are kind of like, um. They said that they were like rubber diaper covers that were used for cloth baby diapers. Wow. So it was like a, it wasn't a underwear you wore on, in its own. So you would put them on your own underwear or on your own clothing. And then you would have this like rubber kind of panty. Ooh, humid. That would go over. Or if not rubber, if like maybe if that was a cost was an issue, you would just, they would just go where they need like go on the crotch of your underwear yeah and just held up maybe you had to double up on the underwear but there was no adhesive and no belt yet yeah so they okay. just ha- they just had to be held in place just by your thighs yeah okay um and i'll in the show notes also um, include an old ad that was included in one of these articles for listers towels um they were just they look like an old school pad, like the really thick pad, but it was only thick in the middle. Okay. And the sides, the either end of it was very thin. Interesting. It was like a a big wad of cotton in the middle that was covered up by almost like a gauze material. Mm -hmm. But it looked kind of like, um, like an old school candy wrapper. Oh, okay. We got the twisty bits on each end, except Mm -hmm. that they weren't twisty bits, but, um, yeah, there was eventually a Lister belt that would come with it ah, that would work okay. with the old school belt. But yeah. um, it was like a separate thing. Okay. So menstrual products were marketed door to door. I would, l- I want to know the salesman. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this when we were talk- first talking about these products. I was like, wait a minute. This yep. was like door to door times. Not, no targets back in the day. So this yeah. was like in the 1870s, very late, late ish, 1900 or 19th century. Um, the first commercial products were available for mainstream uh, purchase in the 1890s, so right at the end of the 19th century. Um, they used to appear in catalogs, though, so you had to order. Mm. Couldn't necessarily, still could not necessarily go to the corner store and just grab yourself some pads. Um, they had extra, like, they called them extra menstrual tools, like the ladies' elastic doily belt. Okay. It was silk and elastic um, that you attached the pad to. So it would it still going under your clothes, but it was like a little, almost like a garter belt. Okay. So if you, if anybody, if you're old enough to know how garter belts work, the pad inst- was, is going to ad- be stuck onto the um, belt the way that the nylons would be attached to the garter mm-hmm. belt. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. But around, around the waist. Um, so people were beginning to see that there was a need for the products, 
but there was still a lot of hesitation to be seen buying them. Oh, sure. It was like a moral thing, just, you know, whatever. It's hard. You have to re- you have to remember to look at it through late eighteen hundred eyes. Yeah, not modern. I'll do what I want, buy what I want. I bleed. No biggie. Yeah, uh, vibe that we've got now. But um, so Kotex, the Kotex brand, mm-hmm. began manufacturing their own pads, which were disposable but not self adhesive yet. Again, so you had to have the belt, um, or some people used safety pins or other like oh smart you know other sort of fasteners to be able to fasten it to your clothing somehow yeah um so to help women get over what you know the embarrassment that they may have been feeling for shopping for them um kotex encouraged shop owners to leave products on the counter along with a box where women could drop money in Mm, So they were kind of in a separate area where you could take what you needed and then you would pay for it by putting your money in the box and just like discreetly walking away and you wouldn't have to ask for them. They wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be seen buying them. You could discreetly purchase them and get it out. Um, So So stupid. So stupid. It's it is what it is. But But it's fucking stupid. How many times have we gone to Target, CVS, whatever, gone to buy a box of tampons or box of pads and then also purchase like a magazine gum oh yeah (laughs) anything but the tampons um so it's the same thing except oh yeah it's all stupid yeah oh yeah it's all stupid (laughs) it's all stupid um so there was a company in 1927 there was a company called modest m-o-d-e-s-s they um were a competitor to kotex and um, the business, the industry was picking up, so there were you know more competitors on the market. So um, there, the pads weren't brand new anymore, but now they started having some innovation. So okay. as the market started to open up, people were coming, trying to come up with more products, more marketing for it. Um, so, like I had mentioned before, the being able to throw away the pads and tampons um, was great for women who worked outside the home or just didn't want to have to wash bloody cloths or rags that they were using um, by hand. Cause of course right. this is an age where you would be doing your wash by hand. Um, and in the 1930s, um, there was a woman, the, the, one of the researchers found that in the 1930s, there was an interview with a woman who said that there was a family meeting about whether or not to buy bread or Kotex. And they chose Ugh. Kotex. Good choice. Um, because buying the Kotex meant mom had freer, had freed up mom's time that, in a more useful way. Right. So, <laughs> She'd be better making bread, bread now. Better than bread. Yeah. Now she can go out and make, she can make bread. She can, if you can figure out something else for dinner, you don't have to just have the bread. Um, and the researcher said, I don't think it can be overstated what it meant to have that freedom and to not lug dirty laundry around or be able to put a sanitary napkin in a bag or a pocket. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to go into the 1900s, into World War One. So the okay. early part of the 1900s. <clears throat> 
uh, in the First World War, nurses discovered, or not discovered, but nurses noticed that cellulose was much more effective at absorbing blood compared to cloth bandages. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So, der, Kotex grabbed on to that uh, idea and started making um, a cellulose sanitary napkin. Mm-hmm. So, they were made from surplus, uh, surplus um, inventory from the war. So, okay. being able to use a um, a resource that was already available and wasn't going to be used in any other way, and right. it's actually improving your product. Amazing codex. And this was 1918. Wow. So now we're, we're coming up with our, the first like all new and absorbent uh, yeah. product in, in the early 1900s. And then by 1921, Kotex became the first successfully mass marketed uh, mm. sanitary napkins. So now they're getting into more stores, more areas in the country, into more, okay. into more hands, into more underpants, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so now they have more options for women and they're being marketed very discreetly. So very plain boxes. There is no live, laugh, love, floral, pentagram, pentagram. Yes. Pinterest yes. in Pinterest, perfect, like marketing box. They're just, you know, a box with Gotex yeah. stamped on it. Um, and in ads and different marketing campaigns, um, they were encouraging World War II women to to use them because now it's during World War II where mm-hmm. women entered the workforce because yeah. so many men went to war. Women had to get into jobs that were had been held by the, those men into factory jobs, which meant you're on your feet working an eight-hour day or realistically eight-hour plus because you mm-hmm. also still had a household family to deal yep. with. Um, so <laughs> this was seen as like a way to toughen up women to continue to work even they were even though they were bleeding. Because oh, okay. this was a very a time when the thought was that if women were menstruating, they were even weaker than they already were, being the weaker right. sex at all. Um, and that there was even more emotional instability. Like a full body women. eye roll a, a happening full right body now. Roll, yes. Um, <laughs> because some women had been encouraged not to work during their time of the month. Like it was a legit reason that people would have women not work and not continue on. I mean, I'm okay with that. (laughs) I was going to say, as great as that would be to take advantage of that, the truth is you weren't going to get paid for that time. Right. Yeah. So it's not like they were going to pay you for time off. Right. Right. So if you wanted to work, you needed to get paid. You need to make that paper. Tampons and pads, these disposable tampons and pads were a great way, obviously, to be able to continue your normal routine and just not have to worry about, you know, a big, a big wad of scrap material in your drawers. Yeah. Um, Okay. So having your period in like night, we were talking about world war one, like Mm -hmm. 1918 when my poppy was born, that was the year he was born. But then like having your period through world war one or world war two, I mean, just sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Hard. Pass. Everything. Everything. It yeah. gets, it's real. It gets real romantical 
to think about living in another time until you think about the practical things like yeah. your period. Yeah. She wasn't made for the, she, it wasn't, mine wasn't made for it in 1918. No, no, no. Um, I'm fired so fast. <laughs> like it's a demon. That would have been burned at the stake. <laughs> Um, okay, so now we're going into the 30s and 40s. It jumps around a little bit because it's not like a straight, exactly straight, straight timeline. So we had been talking about some things of the 40s, but this is the 30s and 40s where um, they're appealing more to the mainstream. So okay. not just for women who have to work in factories, but just for women or for those wow. who have their period. Women, wow. anybody who had their period. What a concept. Um, so in Europe, um, homemade uh, rags or scraps of material were still being used, and that was still what was mostly being used. Pads okay. and tampons were more American, but it's during this time when they start to be offered across the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, not still, even in 2021, unfortunately, not everywhere. Right. But it starts to go overseas, so it goes beyond America. Um, in 1929 is when Dr. Earl Haas created the tampon. So there Ooh. had been DIY homemade tampons, but this is, we're talking about the tampon as we know it with the applicator okay. and the cotton little mm-hmm. cotton bullet. Um, Kotex actually passed on the patent, but a woman Ooh. named Gertrude Tendrick acquired it and formed the company Tampax. Oh, okay. Still go on, around. Gertrude. Yep. Go on, Gertrude, with your Tampax. Um, so this is from Shara Vostrel, who is an associate professor of history at Purdue University. And she wrote the book Under Wraps, A History of Menstrual Hygiene Technology. Okay. She says, tampons provided a different kind of bodily freedom because you're not literally yoked with elastic waistbands and pull tabs and this thing just and this thing that wraps around your hips and between your thighs tampons allowed a woman to do all kinds of physical activities and the early adopters were dancers and swimmers ah uh uh-huh as clothing became more streamlined you can see the telltale outlines of sanitary napkins because these were thickies that's my comment not her quote um (laughs) and they were called as they so uh, they were called sanitary napkins as they were called in the ads Tampons are a big deal because you don't feel it and you're not limited in the same way. We'd okay. still have to wait a few decades for commercials of women running on the beach in white pants. Mm-hmm. So, but just the practicality of, yeah, how about athletes and yeah. someone who can't wear a pad while they're doing the activity that they want to do. Right. Yeah. Um, so As a f- high school, like when I was in sports, oh my God tampons all the way yeah double oh tampon all the way like double tampon, double tampon. don't put two in don't there don't put two don't, don't double up you don't need <laughs> no, to that was just a bad joke on yeah. the double rainbow all the way <laughs> r.i.p um yeah because those pads just because like you add like your other bodily fluids like sweat and then things right. are moving around and motion and it's just don't risk it why risk it um okay so there were some hygiene concerns about how close pads would get to your butthole. And that would be introducing oh, okay. fecal bacteria into a region where you do not want fecal bacteria. Um, so tampons were considered a healthier alternative by the medical community, just 
from a straightforward practical like yeah there's less likelihood of fecal material being transferred into the into the vagina with a tampon however of course um women putting things inside themselves how do you think that's going to go over in the united states not well not well no we generally our puritanical uh forefathers um did not still don't like the idea of of women fiddling with themselves um yeah so uh there became a, there a lot of rumors a lot of weird like thoughts would come about how tampons would damage women's bodies and cause abrasions and boils and all these things. So um, a, a doctor named Dr. Mary Barton, she was an English physician. She agreed to be published in a British medical journal in 1942. And she began the article by saying, as a woman and a doctor, I feel that I cannot allow the correspondence on this subject to pass without comment. She addressed concerns that tampons would be unbecoming and pointed out that tampons did not cause abrasions and boils on the vulva as sanitary pads had for years for many patients. Mm -hmm. She conceded that leaving them in for too long could lead to an infection, but just their use in general, not dangerous. Um, so they found that a lot of most women did not return to pads once they learned how to use tampons, Okay, which is generally, I think how it goes yeah still um i know of only one badass friend of mine who started with tampons Whew. never did a pad i did not and mm -hmm. we'll get into a little bit of some of that in in a few paragraphs but let's just put a pin in that um so in which i we're going to talk about the 1950s and 60s where the more modern age of uh, what they call feminine hygiene, which drives me crazy. But yeah, menstrual products is, is happening. Um, now there's more creative modifications um, in the age of, as this article called it, in the age of peace, love, and rock and roll. I would okay. never say that. Okay. Um, so beltless pads came out in 1972. Um along with different variations like heavy flow, light flow, and mini pads. Um, so okay. now we're talking about customizing things so yeah. that you don't have to buy the same big old pad. Uh, you can buy it based on what you need. Um, in the 1980s, versions of modern maxi pads and pads with wings would hit the market. So like the always with, you know, oh, you got wings. Um, the darn <laughs> things got wings. Um, so in the late 70s is when the toxic shock syndrome sort of scare happened. Yeah. Uh, and there was a concern that um, made the news because over 5,000 cases of toxic shock syndrome called TSS on a lot of the packaging was reported. This was between 1979 and 1996. So okay. over a very long period of time. No, no pun intended. Um, most cases were linked to a specific tampon brand and specific materials, which are now no longer on the market. Mm. And so, again, I am not a medical doctor. I simply have used tampons for a long time and sometimes have had a lot of time to read in, read the box and packaging in the bathroom. So toxic shock syndrome 
it comes it from leaving a tampon in for too long because a certain mm-hmm. kind of bacteria will start to form. Um, it is not only with tampons. Like it can happen if you have gauze or like pad or something uh, wrapped Silica around cup. a wound. Possible. Yeah. But also even just like wrapped around I, a wound. Yeah. Like if you have something that's healing and you don't change the bandage yep. properly or enough times, yeah. that can also give you toxic shock mm-hmm. syndrome. It is not j- mostly in sort of menstrual products, but not only menstrual Exclusive, products. Right. Yeah. But that is one of the big sort of warnings on with tampons is that you should not leave them in for an extended amount of time. They should be changed after a certain mm-hmm. number of hours just to avoid the risk. Scarred me for life. Not going to lie. First Scared time I read that, I was like, Ooh. everybody, yeah, almost everybody who used tampons as a child, um, that was one of the big, scary dangers is like, you're going to die of toxic shock syndrome. You're, 100%. Because you you're looked be the at one. the box of tampons. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So this is where we're going to go back to our pin about the sort of moral thing, moral issues around using tampons. Um, so this is from one of the other, one of the... I'll just be honest. This is the article I liked better. Um, and I'm going to, I, I know this one is the purple one because I use, I'm an insane person and I change the color of my notes of the, the text I'm typing in based on what reference I'm using. Okay. So this is the purple one that came from a blog uh, called Milk and Blood. So again, all these links will be in the show notes should you want to um, to, to check them out. Okay. So... While tampons were available from the 1930s, many women still used sanitary belts during um, during this time through the 50s. Pads were considered more appropriate for unmarried women. Right. You didn't want a tampon to break a girl's hymen when virginity was valued above so many other things. Um, there was a sense that a tampon could sully a girl before she'd even had heterosexual intercourse. Um, during this decade, there were some innovations around tampons. Like uh, there was a brand called Persets. They called it, they released a pre-lubricated tampons and they were theoretically easier to insert, making them better for inexperienced women. I'm also going to include um, one of their ads. Oh. It shows a very 50s looking woman, like with, the, of course, with the little teacup and saucer, like talking to a friend of hers like very concerned and it says of course unmarried girls can use persets because they were trying to well they were trying to sell tampons to everybody and trying to make it clear that this is a tampon not like a sexual experience right um it twill not break your hymen twill not be sex you're not having sex you're you're just using a tampon yeah um i myself was told that is what that was why I was not allowed to use tampons. Oh, okay. Because I wouldn't be considered a virgin if I used tampons. Guess who still went out and bought tampons with her own allowance <laughs> money and <gasps> fucked it up royally because there was no adult to help her? Yeah. I couldn't figure them out. That cross yeah. section drawing <laughs> didn't help a single bit. It was years. Because I, I got my period in junior high for the first time, but I was probably late in high school if not just out of high school before I could actually use a tampon properly. Like successfully. Yeah. And successfully. Yeah. No, I was in high school because I remember a trip to Magic Mountain that went horribly awry because of my period. So yes. Um, okay. So in 1956, Leona Chalmers updated the menstrual cup, 
by using softer materials to make mm. it much more like the ones that are used now. So that's what was nice. really surprising was that it was in the late 50s that menstrual cups pretty much look like what they look like now. Interesting. I did not um, know that. I had no idea that that uh, the old those old gals were that old. They look no. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So there were also like powders that could be inserted in the vagina that were supposed to neutralize the pH mm, of period blood and prevent bacterial growth. Um, I said, well, these more creative measures didn't take off. Reusable menstrual cups, period sponges, and biodegradable options became more popular throughout the 70s as the second wave feminist and environmentalist movements started to grow. Um, mini pads were a big success um, because... Pads had been so big, like mm-hmm. you're, <laughs> you're talking about pads that probably span from like slightly below your belly button to your butthole. Yeah. They're like, like they were huge. You. They were long. They were strong. They like, were thickies and you could 100% see them through your clothing. Yeah. So the mini pad was like a huge, huge hit because yeah. they were they weren't as noticeable and also for anybody who's had a period we can tell you you don't want more necessarily all the time right yes absolutely too much coverage can also get uncomfortable if you have a very light day you do not want to use a large tampon or a large very thick absorbent pad because you don't need it like you use no. a panty liner yeah or like a light flow i've never in my life used a panty liner by the way only uh, to back up my tampons yeah I, it's like for me like if i needed backup it's not going to be a panty liner i would still just use because by this time we're talking about the very thin mm-hmm. always pads um so as pad technology gets better you don't now oh god for those of you who have ever been too afraid to wander through the period aisle just know that pad tampons come in different absorbencies so there's Mm -hmm. like slim which is really more about the fit like it's just a slightly smaller tampon um regular and then there's like super what do they call i can't remember all the the, there's different kind of names plus super super plus ultra so those are the more absorbent yeah so different absorbencies and different sizes and then in pads you have (laughs) Wings and no wings. You have overnight. You have small, medium, large, basically. Like, yeah, very short, slightly longer, very, very long, depending on when. Like, the ones that are meant to be worn overnight are a little extra long because if you move around during the night, it just gives you more, in theory, gives you more space. The problem is, of course, is that when you're wearing the pad, the pad doesn't lay flat because your body isn't flat whatever yeah okay um and let me see sorry okay so as the feminist movement pushed women to become more comfortable with their bodies free bleeding also became a thing and this was kind of late 70s Mm. not for me not for me either um i think it was just i'm so traumatized by my periods not having something to help me catch it yeah. Also, a too some, scary. Of us, some of us just can't. Like, I just can't. I had a friend who only bled for three days and only really needed to use something on one of the days. Yeah. 
that's so lovely. That ain't my life. I, I can't, right. I'd be making messes. It would be, it, it's, it, it would be more of a disaster than yeah. just using something. Yes. So everyone should do what they're comfortable with. And part of the free bleeding was to show that the expectation of being embarrassed or ashamed of your period shouldn't be happening. And right. I agree with that message a hundred percent Yeah, from just a comfort point of you i choose chose to yeah. wear some sort of protection yeah yeah okay so it's in 1969 that stay free created the first maxi pad with an mm. adhesive strip Ooh. groundbreaking groundbreaking i read the book are you there god it's me margaret Mm-hmm. Probably when I was 10 or 11. So we're talking like 86, 87 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written in a time before the adhesive maxi pads. Yeah. Because Margaret talks about those menstrual belts. Mm-hmm. And I had to ask my mom what that was. Yeah. And my mom still had an old one like in a drawer somewhere that she showed me. And I was like, oh. what do you mean they never had? So like who, what? genius didn't yeah. think that we would want that anyway 1969 stay free so um by 1980 about 70 percent of women are using tampons oh and it took time for tampon companies to advertise to first menstruators but word began to spread among women like i think that tampons seem very advanced yeah at first but i think the companies were trying to market as like we're we're first period friendly mm-hmm. too but still bold a, yeah. a bolder woman than i or bolder period bolder bleeder than i yeah um to go for tampons right away um let's see um so this is where we have a celebrity connection that i had kind of teased katie about Ooh. it took until 1985 for someone to say the word period on tv <gasps> referring to the period, like your menstruation. Our beloved friend, Courtney Cox, Gail no Weathers herself. Way. She said it in a Tampax, a Tampax commercial. 1985, the first time anybody used the word <gasps> period to refer to the menstrual period. It was the year of my birth. The year of your birth. Um, so euphemisms and blue liquid. Oh, right. Uh, is continued I remember to that be blue liquid. Um, for those that don't know, we don't bleed blue liquid. No, that's not um, what comes out. That's that's not. Um, so this is just saying how modern brands have embraced a no shame approach. So obviously the word period is used. Yeah. Maybe at some point we'll move away from the blue liquid. They also use the blue liquid for diapers, I guess, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, we all know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but the article has said, like, we have Courtney Cox to thanks to thank. For, the, for starting that trend of like mm. getting the word period out there. Okay. And so where we are today, like we had said, we've got major innovations, um, different reusable, more sustainable choices. Um, where I, I think at least moving towards a place where there's less shame. Yeah. Um, it, we're still not there, but less sort of hiding of the period um, which was one of the other things that a lot of the period products that were uh, marketed were about 
invisibility, discretion, um, like, ooh, don't upset people by letting them know you're on your period. Yeah. Uh, we have talked before about the tampon or pad up the cardigan sweater, the sleeve of your sweater, so that nobody knows that you're going to the bathroom to change a pad or, or anything like that. And I think that we're starting to get to a place where that's not as taboo. Yeah. Um, obviously, my dad not even wanting to touch my underwear. We're still not 100% there. He's also a different generation, but right. still. Um, slightly less stigma um, in periods. Um, companies like Thinks um, yeah. with period underwear kind of just making use of the word and just getting the fact that we're talking about periods. Here's this thing that you can use for your, your period. Social media and, you know, the youths. I, I do sometimes shake my fist angrily at them but um we do have to maybe thank them for being the generation that normalizes a lot of this just because hey it's happening Uh, how are we not talking about this how do how do some people who do not have periods still not understand how periods work like right it's not magic. It's not dangerous. It's, I mean, I guess gross is subjective. Like not everybody thinks blood is gross. Once you have a child or a pet, a lot of your bodily fluid ick factor goes right out that window. Yeah. Um. I never thought, I don't ask me why I was thinking about this earlier today. I think I was on a walk with Dr. Boyfriend and his dog. But I remembered the first time I had to pick up dog poop. Mm. I Nobody prepared me for the, the temperature <laughs> of it. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I didn't realize it was going to be hot out the oven. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after the first couple of times I did it, like dog shit is not gross to me anymore. Like yeah. I'm not going to roll around in it willingly. But yeah, I picked it up. Pick it up. Yeah. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, cleaning out a litter box now. Yeah. I could not have done that had I not had a dog first because I wasn't, I wasn't going to be ready for it. Yeah. But now, like, it, as your situation changes, like, you suddenly realize you, oh, there's, like, a whole bunch of stuff that I thought was weird and gross and mysterious that I just didn't understand before. But Yeah. Like, the veil yeah. of secrecy is lifted. Like, we don't have magical powers when we have our periods. We have those magical powers all the time. All the time. We, the we've time. had that. We've had it there the whole time. Like, yeah. Dorothy and that that ability to go home or in those shoes, whatever. It was all, it was always there, girl. You always done did, could do it. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. I didn't realize that um, some type of insertion had been around for so, so long. Yeah. yeah. I was really surprised at the um, wooden peg DIY tampons mm. of, of yesteryear. Glad I'm not there. Yeah. You know, I am one of those people that went from tampons back to pads. Oh, I always yeah. used ta- I always used pads as backup, and then sometimes overnight, I think I was still a little toxic shock shy. Oh yeah, I, I I can never sleep in something. I wouldn't. I I didn't always. I I sometimes did. I didn't like exclusively do pads. I just did mostly pads overnight. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was just to like give my girl a break too. Yeah, like if I've been wearing a tampon or di- you know a couple different tampons during the day, I would just like oh let's just let her give her a break yeah. let her unclench i i found that like and i it might have been psychological but i always felt like 
the, well, also too, when I needed the tampon, when my periods were normal were my most painful days. Mm. So that was like a little bit uncomfortable at times. Cause it would like increase the cramping for me. Right. So some people it has the opposite effect. Like I know that they say like the cup, I have the cup and mm-hmm. I would like to try to use that again. Um, but I think with my septum, that might be part of my issue. Cause that was kind of mm. a little bit of an issue and I didn't know what I know now. So that could be why, but, um, that actually increased my cramping, but for some people, the counter pressure reduces their yeah. cramping. I also had a fibroid in there. So yeah. maybe that was part of it as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to try it now with yeah. sort of this, like, um, back, back to normal ish gal, right. um, or thing. Um, I guess on me, I can call it a gal. Um, oh, my, but, mine's a lady. I, I, yeah. I've gendered mine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I now I use, um, called heartfelt pads that are totally Mm. washable Mm -hmm. that too using the reusable stuff. I like the heartfelt because it's way more affordable than things you get five, um, they're bamboo and felt all organic material. You can get five like heavy flow pads Mm. for like 20 bucks or 17 bucks. Yeah. Compared to, like one pair of thinks, which is like 40 something dollars. Right. right. Or even it's like an a box of pads. Yeah. That's yeah. obviously is not reusable. Like once you're done that, maybe yeah. that might be the cost of two packages yeah. of pads. So that's like two and a half ish months, maybe for some people. Yeah. Less for others. Um, again, I, with an IUD, I have not had a period in very, very long. I spot from time to time, but I don't have like a full period anymore and when I have had some spotting that's maybe lasted throughout the day I'm okay with just toilet paper or oh, okay. if I happen to have a pad around me I don't have pads at that's home the panty liner anymore I know but the pa- I think part of the panty liner is that it's so tiny um I I am not a small person so a tiny tiny panty liner with just the hint of adhesive on the back essentially as soon as I pull my underwear up that thing is moving and shaking and traveling and she's um she's not staying in place and then I'm like well now I've just got a wadded up cotton pad between my my neithers it's just not comfortable for me that's why I always just picked like oh just okay I always picked the longest always pad available because I wanted full coverage for makeup, I like light to medium coverage. For sanitary napkins, full coverage. Yeah. And I want like belly button to butt crack. Your period totally can change too. Like mm-hmm. I remember my period, what my period turned into in like my late 20s and 30s was not what she started out to be. And when I first got it or even my high school or college, like it was a different experience. Still painful. Still, I think mm-hmm. heavier than some but maybe more of like a normal what I would consider like a pretty normal flow normal, and yeah. then it got heavy yeah I could I have never had a normal period without uh, birth control like without hormone yeah. help of some kind never I, I don't know that life I don't know yeah. uh once a month hmm no but with birth control I mean obviously I it really regulated it and it was a bit of a dream because Mm -hmm. it was one of those like you know my period lasted just like it's described three to five days yeah 
it was never crazy, like never super, super heavy anymore because my period was the elevator in The Shining. Like, yeah, it was a nightmare. And it to go from that to, oh, this? Yeah. A dream. A dream. Yeah. And then now with the IUD, there is no period. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I had a friend who before, way before I had it, um, she had the IUD. And I got my period in her house once. And I was like, oh, my God, do you have like a pad or tampon or anything? And she was like, no. She's like, I haven't had my period in four years. I'm so sorry. And I was like, I cannot believe she doesn't have anything. Yeah. And now <laughs> I am I am her. It me. Yeah. Where I ran out. Like I had what I had. And at some point yeah. I just ran out. And I. Why buy it? I don't need them. I don't. I guess yeah. the smart thing to do would probably be to buy some reusable pads. And right. keep them on hand. Because that I could use. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. that's uh, man. There, whoop! There it is. Whoop! There it is. That's crazy. Um, what so a I what will, a long history. What a long bloody road. I that's terrible. Uh-huh. Edit that out. Um, <laughs> I will in the show notes. I'll include some of those photos, lovely photos. And if I can't figure out how to, or if I'm an idiot and I forgot to do it, um, the stories that they link that are linked. We'll have the photos and everything. Okay. In and there's just like old fashioned, very old fashioned ads. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't wait. I might use one for a cover photo. <gasps> oh, I know. They're not in color, though. That's the bummer. That's all right. Oh, we can Figure recreate them. Yeah. I want you with the teacup. Like, of course you can. <laughs> I do have teacups. Pre lubricated tampons sound messy uh, like oh also that time i don't trust what what am i injecting what into my using? body yeah, i don't what trust. are you using i don't i don't i was were, never an ob no. girl though i needed an applicator uh, do not come to me with a cardboard applicator yeah first of all how dare you um no cardboard applicator is i can I can still remember the feeling of a cardboard applicator. Oh, yeah. It's like, like a tiny little piece of toilet paper. Like think, of, roll. think of the worst dry mouth you've ever had and <gasps> now move it about three feet south. Yeah. It's no. It's true. Absolutely not. No. It's true. I had I to have a plastic applicator if I was using a tampon because I, I, she just wouldn't accept it otherwise. Honestly, this whole computer situation feels like a cardboard applicator to me. Oh, um, boy. Oh, but boy. if you would like to uh, follow, subscribe, all that jazz, we are The Bottom Bible. Anywhere you Google, look, Bottom Bible Podcast, that'll be us. Um, and then, of course, we have Instagram. So you can follow us on Instagram and slide into those DMs, no dick pics. Um, that's pretty much it. That's it. That's it. That's all, that's all she wrote. Yeah. And said. And that's it. And um, there, there she bleeds. I guess. There she. <laughs> and oh scene. Okay. All right. Bye, all. Bye, bye. So tell me what you want from me.